0: Hey, welcome to the radio podcast, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Uh, my name is Rich Mulholland, and I'm one of the co-hosts here from EO Johannesburg. And with me, as always, is the wonderfully handsome, gorgeous, bearded master, Ross Drakes. Welcome, Ross. Hello, everybody. Also with us is Jonathan Slane. I was lucky enough to meet Jonathan on a stage in Arizona, of all places, and uh, we had a great interaction on a bus on the way to dinner. And I immediately realized this was an interesting guy with an interesting story uh, who I promptly invited onto the show. Uh, Jonathan is the founder and owner and Big Cheese Running Recession.com. Uh, welcome, Jonathan.
1: Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. And by the way, that was no accident. I was stalking you on that bus ride.
0: You'd, you know, <laughs> I consider that a privilege. I would have been <laughs> extremely upset if you weren't. Uh, so, Recession.com, I mean, first of all, straight out the bat, how does somebody go go around getting such a uh, kick-ass domain? I mean, that seems crazy.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Rich. Uh, One of my mentors told me a long time ago that if it can be solved with money, it's not a problem. It's just a decision. And in this case, it was just a decision to spend the money for the domain and really wanted to get into it uh, for marketing purposes so that when people searched for the word recession, our website would be one of those that would come up first.
0: And and how's that working out for you?
1: Uh, Not so great. Uh, (laughs) I didn't think through through that uh, somebody searching for recession is going to get a lot of hits from other websites like CNN, CNBC, the Wall Street Journal. So we come up on about the 17th page of Google. Uh, but we okay. still have a kick-ass domain.
2: So so did you have the company idea before you bought the, the domain, or did the domain lead the, the choice in company?
1: No, so the company idea actually came way before the domain. Uh, it happened because, I don't know if you, do you guys in Johannesburg have the EO YPO mentorship program, or do you have a mentorship yes. program uh, through your chapter? Okay, so... we do, yeah. Cool. So up in I'm uh, Eo Cleveland is my home chapter, and we have a strong mentorship program. And one of my first mentors, who I randomly met eight years ago, uh, is actually my business partner in Recession.com, and we've been working on this project for over a year before we got the domain.
0: Okay, so now Russ and I always say that what makes entrepreneurs different is that we fix problems or we fill gaps. What problem did you set out to fix? So
1: what uh, is really going on is that I, my EO qualifying company uh, was Fitness Together. It was a chain of gyms, uh, fitness studios, you know, where you do like personal training back in Ohio that I owned during the Great Recession. and. I, got, uh, I just got my ass kicked in the recession. Uh, I like to say I got waterboarded by the recession. And <laughs> it was really because I didn't have a plan. And so the problem uh, I'm working to fix is that I don't want other business owners to have to get waterboarded by the recession when we get to the next one.
0: And do you think it's hackable? Do you think we can be ready?
1: So. I definitely know that we can be ready because I spent over the past year just talking to entrepreneurs and business leaders about how to hack recessions. In fact, that was one of the first working titles of my book was How to Hack the Recession because I know from talking to people that made a lot of money, that were successful, that thrived using recessions as opportunities, that it can be done if you plan and practice.
2: So do you think, I mean, are you uh, clear that another recession is going to hit us?
1: Yes. And the reason is that uh, economies work in cycles. So like the seasons of the year, spring, summer, fall, winter, recessions and the economy work the same way and what we know right now is that with the economy booming that's always what precipitates us um, leading to a recession leading to a crash so all the things that get us to this point eventually take us to the other side of the economic cycle
0: so i've taken a quite aggressive short on the u.s economy index funds do you think it's a safe bet then
1: i do the hard part is the timing rich so Uh, Everybody that tries to time the market, that's uh, the real art part of this. In my head, probably looking at um, something in early 2020 in terms of first quarter or second quarter for when it would be officially announced that we're in recession.
0: Yeah, I mean, I read this great book recently called The Acquirer's Multiple. I don't know if either of you have uh, picked it up or seen it. But one of the principles it talks about is a mean reversion. And it says that in any market or you know economy, they, that economies always trade eventually back to the level that they should. So if an economy has been overperforming, it will drop. And um, If an economy has been underperforming, it will pick back up to where it should. And this has kind of been proven historically. And the problem is that we build businesses in great times as if we expect those great times to sustain. But the reality is we need to know what that mean is, because we will revert back there. I mean, would you agree with that hypothesis?
1: I, I would. So I think that really what we're looking at is that what generally happens is that when the economy is booming then people are getting paid more. So when people get paid more and they have more money in their pocket, then eventually they spend more. When people are spending more because they're feeling good, businesses get wise to that. And they what do they do? Businesses raise prices. When businesses raise prices, that leads us to inflation. When there's inflation, the central bank in the country Uh, The Federal Reserve in the U.S., for example, they start to raise interest rates, and when interest rates start to go up, that starts to depress the economy, people stop buying houses, taking out new mortgages, things slow down, and then we're in recession. So it's all part of a closed loop, all part of a cycle that has to repeat.
2: And how do you find that, you know, because now this, you know, for the first time in in forever, there's massive players in, in especially the US economy, like your Amazons and your Apples, who have huge amounts of sway over how much money is being released into the economy and things like that. So, you know, I've read a few things that they can actually resist the Federal Reserve pulling on those levers so they can actually pull back if they, if they want to or keep the economy booming if they, they don't. Do you think those sort of things make an interesting, or at least a, a, a variable in this whole thing?
1: Dude, Ross, what happened to like the <laughs> fun-loving part of this interview? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to preface this with uh, I'm not uh, I'm not an economist. I don't <laughs> I'm not an economics major, but I think questions like that, Ross, are are the exact part of the issue. Is that the economy, we just don't know. And the economy is always changing, is always having new variables added to it. So it's going to play out what effect the large companies like Amazon and Apple have on the economy. And part of our issue right now is because of where we started with the the Federal Reserve never raising interest rates very much after the Great Recession of 2008-2009 they don't have as much leeway to the lower rates right now, which means that they have even less of a lever to pull to correct the economy going forward. So I think uh, so you it's troublesome. from the regard. Do you trust Jeff Bezos
2: um, and, and Tim Cook and uh, Mark Zuckerberg more <laughs> than you trust Donald Trump? Or uh, where, where should we be putting our faith?
1: Uh, you're going to have a hard time um, getting me to say that I'm putting a lot of faith in um, Donald Trump and the current administration to, to figure it out. Um, and that's agnostic of all politics. Uh, but generally, the people in the system drive the economy. So if uh, the people in the United States specifically uh, start to feel like the future is uncertain, then that pullback is potentially uh, going to lead us into a recession. And most recently, I don't know if you uh, guys were watching um, CNBC out of the U.S., but our yield curve inverted recently, which is a, a sign that people in the United States are kind of losing faith, and that there's a lot of uncertainty in what's going on in the short term in this country.
2: Wow. Okay. So, so you mean this is your business? What, what do we What do we do to protect ourselves from people like Donald Trump and? Um, Mark Zuckerberg.
1: So the the story is that my mentor Paul Belair uh, he bought an HVAC company, you know, a company that does like uh, heating and air conditioning, um, back before the Great Recession, with his management team. And he and his team they invested a million bucks to buy this business. And then over 63 months through the Great Recession, they grew it and then they sold it for over 70 million. And wow. so, yeah, I'll, I'll take a second to let that sink in. They turned a million dollar <laughs> investment into over 70 million in a little over five years using the exact recession methods that we've put into the book and the workbook that we've put together. So this isn't theory. It's a uh, real world application of um, the planning for how to use a recession as leverage.
0: And that's the business, right? I mean, you basically help businesses uh, rock recessions. Uh to use your terminology, like you believe that it's something that we can come out and if we plan ahead for it, I mean, we're still in 2019 at the beginning and for many of us in the planning phases, that I guess with one of your uh, workshops or even your keynotes or, or something like that, like you believe that there is some way that we can uh, be ready for this thing to really kind of punch it in the nuts.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so the, the book is all about how the model is really to start with assessing. That's your first gear, and that's really the benchmark where you stand on recession readiness versus your competitors versus everyone else in the EO community. And as I've toured around uh, doing the keynote, uh, I do an interactive keynote where I'm always serving the audience to find out what their recession readiness is so that everyone can compare their results to all of the other leaders and entrepreneurs that I've surveyed. So that's for
0: you. Let me ask you this just quickly as, uh, as, a, as a speaker. I guess just while we're on the topic of your keynote, you're a funny guy. Uh, you use humor like me, but your topic is – you know, a topic that can topple businesses. Are you still able? I, I'm curious, I guess, may, maybe kind of to take this on a tangent, but are you still able to bring your humor and your lighthearted approach and into your delivery, even talking about such a midi topic?
1: Yeah, so I liken it to I want to be uh, a combination of Warren Buffett meets uh, Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah. have Carrot Top yeah, over we there. Carrot top. You know, talking about. Okay, so um, the short answer, uh, Rich, is yes. I mean, I think especially with such a serious topic that if we can't bring a little humor to it and some levity, uh, that I don't think people are really going to engage with it. And also, I don't want uh, to be a fear monger. So I think that a topic like recession tends to attract uh, some uh, elements that just want to play on people's fears. And listen, I was, um, during the Great Recession, I was curled up in the corner of my office in the fetal position because I had no plan for the recession. And I don't want to go back there. I don't want other business owners and fellow EOers to have to feel that pain and experience it. So I've tried to bring humor to it um, to keep it on the lighter side and then to juxtapose that with some serious moments. um, And I find that to work really well at least people seem to really engage with that approach.
2: Do you kind of see the um, recession more as an opportunity than as a, a kind of a, a bad thing that's happening to us?
1: Yeah. So uh, love that because in my world, the first thing you do is you assess where you're at. The second thing is to tune up your business to prepare for the recession and What I mean by that is that you're doing things like you're going back to your bank. And if you have personal guarantees, you're asking the bank to release those personal guarantees or at least to cap them, to lower the limit of them. And you can do that when times are good. When the economy is strong, your bank needs your business, wants your business, and will listen to you about lowering personal guarantees. But in a recession, they're going to laugh at you. So right now is actually an ideal time to be having those sorts of conversations with your bank. And what I love about that is that you have the ability to game the system right now, but most people aren't thinking about it because they're busy making money. Times are good and people start to get complacent. So to answer your question, uh, I absolutely love the opportunity that recessions and the specter of recessions bring more so than um, just trying to come up with a plan for how you're going to fire a bunch of people and reduce overhead to just survive the recession.
0: Yeah, I mean, what was Churchill's great line? Never let a good crisis go to
1: waste. (laughs) Exactly. So um, the third gear in the model is that you're racing. You're really starting to figure out what can you do during the recession so that you can really grow your business and take off. So this is uh, the part of the uh, the book where we're talking through how you're going to plan for it. And so I refer uh, back to Paul, uh, my business partner, because he had a plan for the recession. He understood that in a recession, people wouldn't want to do construction projects for HVAC, for air conditioning. They would be more interested in having service done on their air conditioning units and less interested on installing a new one. And so he began to pivot his business from 80-20 construction uh, service to 80% service and 20% construction, so that when the recession hit, he was ideally poised to pounce. Right.
2: Now, do you think, you know, all, all the examples you, you're talking about are, are coming from an American context? You know, obviously we're living in, in South Africa at the moment and we are not, maybe not in a recession, but our economy is exceedingly flat. Um, you know, so we kind of, a bit too late to protect, protect us now. But we can, um you know, and is there anything we can do considering that we now are almost on the opposite end of the spectrum for you. So we're in the ditch uh, already and uh, in, we all have faith that we're climbing, but we potentially not, you know, what can we do on this side of the, the, the pond as it were?
1: Yeah. So I have read every research article that I could find that had the word recession in the title. And I was smiling over here because one of those articles is out of South Africa I've read articles uh, out of China, Japan, uh, just countries all around the world. And what I think is uh, what just dawned on me that I hadn't really thought about is that they all validate that recessions are agnostic of the country or the people or the culture. They tend to take the same pattern. And so I think once you're in a recession, of course, you've missed a lot of the outside already because a lot of the spoils in the economic cycle go to those who see it coming, plan for it, and then can leverage it. And at the same time, once you're already in a recession, it doesn't mean you just have to wait it out. So your next step, um, Ross, I think is to take a look and start to set some limits for your business. So, A lot of my book talks about how you grow through a recession, how you thrive in it. But there's a chapter in it called the emergency break, which is something I didn't have in my fitness business. It's something I learned from talking with other entrepreneurs as I've studied this over the past couple of years and worked with Paul. And that's to set limits where if you hit those limits, you're going to take action in other words, if you're an Eoer and you're listening to this and you've got a $5 million business and you saw your revenue drop to $4 million, what would you do? What cuts to people would you make? What reductions to overhead would you make? What reductions would you make at $3.5 million, What reductions would you make at 3000000 million? You're locking yourself in to those reductions up front before you hit those levels, so that you're not making emotional decisions.
2: I love that idea of of kind of pre-planning because you are right that we are all very emotional beings Um, and I think Forum is a testament to that. Um, But how, you know, kind of pre-making the decision, the hard decision makes it much easier when that moment arrives. because. The, the, the blind faith and optimism can totally kick in in those moments of crisis, and you just believe that it's all going to improve. So let's double down, let's try harder, let's hire more, let's do more. Um, and that's potentially the wrong, the wrong route to take.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's bold. Sorry, I was thinking, you know, if we had to sit there and create a bunch of if this, then that's for our business while, while the sun is shining. And just, you know, if this happens, then we should be this. If this happens, then we should do that. My only one question, I guess, for you was, does that not also make us a bit late? Should we not be trying to move ahead of the storm a little bit in this regard? Or do you think it's okay to to be prepared, but only batten down the hatches if it actually hits?
1: So you're the, the steps in the model that uh, I'm proposing are first you do uh, the assessment then you tune up the business, then you're preparing to race and accelerate, which is where you're coming up with your plan for leveraging the recession and taking advantage of the opportunity. And then as the last step in the model, you're coming up with an emergency break in case all of the stuff that you've put together to accelerate doesn't work. So it's actually the last step in the model that I'm proposing. And at the same time, for me, my personal experience, my five percent was that um, I borrowed two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from my mother-in-law, and that's how I survived the last recession. That's my claim to fame. And I mean, <laughs> well, you're you're laughing already. Right, wait till you hear this.
2: And I I uh, your that. your mother and the, the assets.
1: I didn't, guys, I didn't borrow that money all at once. I borrowed the $250,000, $20,000 at a time. I had to call my mother-in-law every two weeks. And the conversation was uh, even more awkward than this one. I'm sure it must be in hectic. Everybody should have a mother-in-law that's, uh, that's a strong willed. That's, um, as supportive as mine, but Every two weeks, I would, you know, she would ask how okay. her daughter was doing, how her grandkids were doing. And then she would send me another check to help me continue going. The reason I bring it up is because if I had had a plan and if I had had a limit, I don't think I would have borrowed 250 I think I would have cut myself off much earlier when things weren't improving. And so back to Ross's question If you're in South Africa, if the economy is not doing good, it's in um, recession, you need to set your limits at this point so that the bottom um, doesn't just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper for you.
2: So I I love that. but I also think there's a a top tip in here that you you obviously need to set your limits. But the other thing you need to do is do a credit score on your mother-in-law to see potentially how much (laughs) money she could lend you (laughs) if things get really. And if you're not married yet, do that
0: before. <laughs> like Basically, any time you meet somebody, you should ask them to submit their parents' financials.
1: <laughs> that's brilliant. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's, that's... so,
0: Dude, you're now advocating this thinking, and I think your timing is spot on. I mean, how important is it that we get you in front of as many audiences as possible in the short term? Is that why you're I mean, obviously, you got the business, but you're also doing the talks and, and the seminars. Is that why? Uh, do you believe that we're in a kind of time-dependent state at the moment?
1: I do. I think that there's a short window because if we have a recession looming on the horizon for the United States, and I do think that, uh, at least for the short term, um, with the world economic cycle, when the U.S. sneezes, the whole world catches a cold. I think that's still applicable. I don't uh, know where things will be a decade from now. But for right now, at least, um, the U.S. economy is a huge driver of the world economy. And um, if we have a recession looming, which I think that we do, then people have a very short window. Leaders of all of our EO companies need to get on this now. And I'm worried because I think this is one of those topics that people don't want to engage with until we're already in a recession. And once we're already in a recession, people will have missed their big opportunity to really leverage it and to be able to get that kind of massive growth that Paul achieved. If you really want that kind of growth going from a million dollar investment and having it become over 70 million in 63 months, you're going to need a big opportunity, a big event, a big tailwind and a recession can absolutely be that, but only if you plan for it. And that's why I'm I'm working to get the message out. This um, message has a shelf life. Right. Right. Exactly.
2: So, so you've now obviously, you know, you've worked with many businesses to kind of become recession proof. Um, what is the most interesting kind of business or, or, or opportunity that someone has has kind of identified by running through this, this process, or do you not get that kind of information?
1: So I'm, I'm thinking about it uh, as we talk here, uh, but one of the things that Rich said, um, one of the points I didn't want to lose is that a uh, recession isn't just about economic recessions. In other words, as I travel around and I talk to EOers uh, and YPOers, what I hear is that this is applicable. Like, Think about this. If you lose your biggest customer, you're in a recession. If your five best employees leave and go form a competitor across the street, your company's in a recession. If you find out that your business partner or your CFO embezzled from you, $100,000, $1 million, regardless of where the economy is at, you, my friend, are in a recession. And so I think a lot of this is applicable, that you need a a recession plan for how you're going to optimize and um, how you're going to survive if your business hits a recession outside of what the economy is doing. I think that is spot on. I mean,
0: I think it's so true. There has been times when the market has been great, but our business has been crappy. You know, the, and there's also been times, incidentally, when the market was terrible and we were still good. In fact, our business, you know, when people we are a presentation company, when the recession hits, people need to go on road shows and conferences and stuff. Uh, generally, we do okay. But um, you're, I mean, there's been other big changes in my organization that have put us in a business recession as opposed to an economic recession. Now, out of interest does your system still work for that?
1: Yes. So I think it not only works for that, we may have discovered over the past uh, year that it may even work better in those circumstances because business owners can really wrap their head around that because those three situations that I described, lose biggest customer, employee leaves and starts a competitor, or um, that... Uh, You have some sort of embezzlement um, or falsehood somewhere in the company. Everybody's been affected by one of those three scenarios. um, If you're an EO or if you've had your business for more than a couple years. And so people can wrap their head around that. They can get together with their management team and they can have that conversation about what it is that they need to do in case that situation hits them again. And then, Ross, I want to come back to that question um, from earlier on interesting situation with the company, if that's okay. Sure. So one of the interviews that I got to do for the book um, was with Christy Hefner, and she was the CEO of Playboy Enterprises. And so I got to chat with Christy and was curious to understand what happens to Playboy in a recession. Do you guys want to venture a guess before I tell you the answer? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure we'll get it wrong regardless.
2: <laughs> well, Rich, how many um, Playboys did you buy in
0: 2008? Dude,
2: nobody buys smut anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I better get it back on track before this goes yeah. so <laughs> To do. So uh, the short answer is that Christy explained that um, back at, in the Great Recession, um, that was still when people were buying magazines, and what they were tracking was that they knew that when the price of gas went up, the people reliably go to newsstands less. That was back when there were still newsstands ten years ago, and everything wasn't digital. But so they understood that in the recession they would need to spend more on marketing than they did before the recession because they would need to get more people thinking about uh, the magazine and going to buy the magazine because they wouldn't be venturing out as much of their own free will and volition and happening by the magazine on right. newsstands. But the upside for them was that because it was a recession, that all of their marketing dollars went much further. And so contrary to what most entrepreneurs do, when most entrepreneurs hit a recession, they pull back on marketing to save money. You actually want to press with marketing. And academic research um, has validated this. Because less people are marketing, your marketing dollars go much further. So before it was too expensive to be um, front page uh, on the newspaper, front page on digital, Front page um, with a radio broadcast, or to even be on television, all of that gets a lot cheaper in yes. a recession.
2: I mean, I fully back that. You know, we always tell our clients to to kind of lean in when everyone's pulling out. Um, I think it's really interesting that in these times, like in a recession or when when things are kind of bad, people are also looking either for a distraction or they're looking for a way out. And that's, if you can tie your marketing onto those kind of trends, you can, can get huge bang for your, your buck. Um, whereas before, when people are not actually looking or searching as hard, it does exactly like you say, become
1: a lot noisier out there. Yeah, so one of the things I'm, I'm constantly looking at are what are the industries that I think are going to be counter-cyclical or that I think are going to grow or be stronger in a recession. And that information is out there. That's part of your planning, how you can really leverage the recession. So, for example, things like Playboy, things like guns, things like alcohol, all of those um, sins go up in a recession because people need inexpensive ways to release pressure to um, survive and thrive in the recession. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. But those industries all tend to remain uh, the same or to actually go up in a recession. So thinking through what end markets your business serves and then understanding what end markets are going to thrive in a recession is where my head is. So I know that if most of my clients are jewelry stores, I'm probably not going to have a great time in the recession. Because those businesses are going to do worse in a recession than before. And then through who I can serve and how I can pivot to new industries, that's what the recession planning is all about.
2: So so what do you think... Um, you know, for people to look at their business, how, how, how do you gauge if someone is recession ready or not? Is there, is there, are there some kind of lead indicators that we can all go back into our business and look at uh, to understand if we're actually recession ready or not? Um,
1: well, thanks, Ross. I think that's a good commercial at, at recession.com slash ready. That's where uh, I posted uh, a free assessment. It's free to go. There's 20 questions. It takes about 10 minutes. And then you get your recession readiness score. And so, over uh, the past couple of years, I've collected those 20 questions that I think will uh, help companies to determine how ready they are for the recession. And then, um, the shorter answer to your question is: it's things like, um, does your company have a written action plan for the next recession? Do you have a written long-term strategic plan? And are you getting together with your leadership team once a quarter to update it? Um, Does your company um, know all of its debt covenants? And are you uh, getting together once a month to challenge them and understand where you stand with them? Does your company have enough debt to be able to, or access to debt to be able to grow in a recession? So if you think through, like, if you're presented with opportunities in a recession, like, so all the companies that aren't smart enough to log in and listen to this podcast, uh, those are companies that all the rest of us are going to want to acquire in the next recession, right? (laughs) And so, yeah, do you have access to capital to be able to go out and acquire those companies? So those are a lot of uh, a lot of the questions that are included in the assessment. I mean, I'm I'm starting
2: to panic now because um, the answer to most of the questions you just asked me for my business is no. Um, so so I'm definitely going to go check that out. Um, but I do love the the thoughts of repositioning the idea of a recession because I think people struggle to think about a recession because it's such a big thing and it's some, something so out of their control. But I love your thoughts of linking it back to, you know, potentially these, these catastrophic events that happen in your business are recessions. They just happen to be your business recession and not necessarily a full market recession. Um, and I'm going to assume that if you prepare yourself well for a recession, you you are also then able to thrive even more in the good times because you are, are kind of ready and, and planned well for the bad times. Is, is that true?
1: Yeah, I, the, the main premise of the book um, is how we want business leaders to be able to rock the recession. I want you guys to look forward to the recession. And a lot of what we're doing here, I describe as just good business hygiene. Everybody knows that they should really have a strategic plan for their business. And as entrepreneurs, we all know that we really should have core values that guide us. We should have a mission. We should have a vision that we're striving towards. And we know that we should spend at least a day, a quarter meeting with our leadership team, uh, you know, reviewing that plan and uh, polishing it up. And in the real world, in a lot of cases, we just get busy, especially as entrepreneurs. On- We just have the daily whirlwind and that keeps us from doing a lot of these things that we know would make our business healthier and stronger. I'm out there advocating that if we spend the time building the recession plan, that regardless of whether or not we hit a recession in the next three months, six months, a year or three years, that it will make our businesses stronger in any case. But,
0: you know, I think the other part of it is is that we're entrepreneurs and there's more to us than just our business. Uh, you know, the business is one way that we manifest as entrepreneurs and we're opportunistic by design. And I feel it's like if somebody said to you um, in a year from now, uh, that car you want is about to go on a crazy sale like a ridiculously good sale, you would obviously you know, start saving up some money so you're ready to, to drop the cash when it goes on sale. And I think what we know from recessions is that's what happened to businesses because that's generally what happens to businesses during a recession is you know, when you buy, I guess that principle of value-based investing is that if you buy a share, you're actually buying you know, a company with you know, a couple of thousand other people and you can see what that company's worth and you have the opportunity to buy it cheap. And if we start going in with this recession-ready mindset that uh, a recession is coming, and if we see a recession as an opportunity to buy some great businesses on sale, uh, I think it changes how we prepare going in. It's not just about you know, um, uh, putting you know, shutters on the windows and getting ready to lock down when the recession happens. You actually want to be the one who runs out the door and, and picks up on the deals. So you need to start planning now for that. To turn around and say, okay, cool. Uh, how do I get to the point that I cannot wait for this recession to happen because I'm able to do good things? You know, and I mentioned that I was buying uh, a short on the kind of, I guess, the U.S. economy. And the reason is, is I want to have more disposable income when the recession hits in order to buy those shares when they're when they go on sale, so to speak. And I think it's just a mindset that we need to embrace. There's an opportunity coming, and if we are truly entrepreneurial, those opportunities are always what we
2: look for. Well, I mean, he has, he has a thought experiment. There are many EOs moving into sort of political, you know, into the political arena, looking to make a change on a kind of bigger level. Um, and you and Jonathan are here advocating for people uh, to be you know, excited that the recession is coming? Do you think we could end up in, a, in a, a place where the EOs get powerful enough in the government that they actually create a recession in order to give themselves the opportunity to buy up all their competitors? Do you think that's a scenario we could get to? Well, you know, Ross, it's something we should look at. <laughs> we, can, we can put a
0: task force together it is GLC next yeah, week <laughs> have enough white papers. somebody needs to write a white paper there's, there's not nearly enough of those
2: <laughs> it could be yeah but I, I would like to read the, the making make the recession happen earlier white paper by an EO member Like that's something that I would actually. Well, the upside with.
0: of that particular down is the sooner it happens the sooner we move on uh, the only downside for me is that I'm not ready enough yet and I think we need, to, need yes. to get to the point where we're ready enough. And that's why I think this is so timeless. And it's actually why I really want to try and get Jonathan out here to do a talk and a workshop uh, with us and with our members just to, so they can really, really kind of uh, get the heavy lifting done now when it matters so that they're ready when it comes around. And then just one other question I wanted to ask you, Jonathan, you constantly talk about the book. But my understanding is this isn't the kind of book you get on your Kindle quickly, right? And, and you know, pick up off Amazon. It's more like a, a textbook or a workbook. Is that correct?
1: Uh, so it's both. So the what I'm calling the book book uh, will be coming out in a couple months. So we are just polishing up the final manuscript and we should have that ready on Amazon uh, in the late summer. And then the companion to that so what's that? That's I made Winter. <laughs> exactly. So I need to publish you, you North Americans talk about seasons as if it's only your world. <laughs> exactly. No, the funny part about that is that uh, my designer, um, Yasmin, that I've worked with uh, for the past five years is South African. And when she listens to this, I'm sure that uh, she's going to be upset that I constantly forget that um, and <laughs> make that error. Um, but the, yeah. the, the book book will be coming out in a couple months, uh, whatever season it is for you, wherever you are. Yeah. And then, uh, the companion to that is a workbook that Paul and I have put together, um, over the past year, uh, to help companies, leadership teams go through the process of creating their recession plan. So you,
0: and that's like a big, hefty term, right? That's more like something that you, you a textbook for your business than a, than a book for you to consume.
1: Correct. So think um, over 100 pages um, includes exercises, typically takes a leadership team somewhere between one and two days of strategic planning to get through the workbook and feel like they have a good start on their recession plan. And so That's kind of your self-guided path. If this is uh, something that you're concerned about for your leadership team and your company, you can start with the workbook, um, which uh, is available uh, through recession.com slash shop or uh, on recession.com. You can find my email and just contact me and I can get you a copy of the workbook.
2: And we'll we'll share all of these links in the in the show notes. Um, I think uh, Jonathan, you're also missing out on an opportunity for a really good t shirt uh, which says "You sir are in a recession." Um, I think I think you could probably sell a few of those <laughs> along with the books. Ross, you should yeah. have a business. It's like a creative
0: agency. You should totally do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I got to make sure that I mark the time here so I can go back and uh, and pursue that idea. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you, do not wanna, you don't want to—you don't want to let gold like that just, you know, pass you by.
0: <laughs> All right, Lab, I feel like um, we have um, taken this recession discussion where it needs to go. I'm very, very excited. I, I feel that you've added some—you uh, know—you certainly opened my eyes to the idea that I'm not ready yet and uh actually uh, almost bizarrely getting me excited about uh getting there which i think is pretty cool uh ross do you want to take
2: us home yeah so so thank you so much jonathan um you've definitely given me a lot to to think about in my business um so you guys have been listening to this episode of radio and as was mentioned earlier if you know somebody who isn't going to survive the recession if they don't listen to this podcast please do them a favor and forward it on because I think one of the best things you can do is share knowledge with with somebody else so we would totally appreciate that this podcast is produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa um, and we would like to just throw a quick shout out to our sponsors who make our organization recession proof 10XE, Bitvest McCarthy Bidvest Car Hire and Exec Care you guys are absolutely amazing um, so thank you very much if you would like a little bit more information about the network you can go to eonetwork.org and we would love it if you could give us a review on whatever platform you listen on so we'll catch you guys in two weeks in the next one thank Cheers. you very much and peace out thanks guys